0: Hello all, it's Terrific Tuesday. Today we have a new host from Down Under. Please welcome Banam from Australia.
1: Hello world, hello Suze, how are you doing?
0: I'm great. Such an honour to have you join us today. Look Banam, I've been prepared a poster for you. It reads Sydney, if you can see from your site.
1: Oh my god Suze, you insult me. I live in the best city in Australia and it is Melbourne.
0: Oh no, this is so embarrassing. I had this set up especially for you and I got this wrong. But one thing for sure, um, I know it's incredibly early for you in Melbourne.
1: Hey, it's early, but guess what? We Both of us actually, I know you're in Singapore, we are people from the future. So we are saying hello to everybody from uh, uh, your tomorrow, if you're watching us in any part of the world, which is uh, still Tuesday. So um, how are you doing, Suze? And again, hello world from the future.
0: Yeah, yeah, great. So, um, yeah, it's been the long weekend. I, I guess we did much. I caught up um, on all my other World episodes on demand on Channel 9 as well. Um, but what have you been up to, Baram?
1: Well, apart from actually, you know, taking the weekend to disconnect sometimes, which is hard to do in, in, in today's world, uh, we have actually been working um, for a long time on... Um, a very concerted effort, which is going to come to fruition very soon. So I'm very excited to say that next week, um, we're actually going to be hosting a live stream event, uh, which we are calling Learn Together. Um, And it is for building uh, building apps with Microsoft Graph. Now, a lot of people may not know what Microsoft Graph is. Effectively, it is the connective tissue, the API, that enables developers to utilize the goodness, the richness of the data that, that actually powers Microsoft 365. So we have built a lot of really exciting content, really exciting demos, really exciting learn modules that you can go and complete and challenges that you can go and do. And we're actually gonna bring that to you at uh, at the Learn Together event coming next week.
0: Mm, this is actually very apt. So most of us heard about how Microsoft has helped um, over 30 million people in 249 countries and territories um, skill up, gain access to digital skills, of which six million um, are actually from Asia Pacific. So this exceeded our goal of like 25 million worldwide last last June. So we'll continue to do so through LinkedIn Learning, Microsoft Learn, and low cost certifications. And what you shared about Learn Together uh, earlier, Banam is definitely one of these. So today we bring back OSS Spotlight with Aaron Wislang on the topic of Postgres and open source side. Project. Um, I hear that he has a guest, so I'm pretty excited to find out who that is. We also have this week on Channel Nine with Charming Christina Warren, um, an audience challenge with Jeremiah and his exciting stories, and also Banam. You'll be sharing more about Microsoft Graph along with Bob.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited about that as well. Um, and and before we forget, everybody who's watching, I know <laughs> it's my first time, and I don't want to forget this, and I definitely do not want you to forget this. Please, uh, you know, we hope that uh, you. Uh, you know, are able to give us your feedback about the show and and about Microsoft in general and like, share, and subscribe. So back to you, Suze.
0: That's right. Um, Let's quickly kick off with amazing Aaron joining us with OSS Spotlight. Hi, Suze. Hey, Aaron. I see that um, I heard or rather I heard that we'll have a special guest today.
2: Yes, today we'll be
0: talking to Marco
2: Slot, who is an engineer on the Postgres team at Microsoft. Marco, it's wonderful to have you with us today. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your team? Uh, yeah, thanks, Aaron. Great to talk to you today. Uh, so I'm the lead engineer on Citus, which is an open source extension for turning Postgres into a distributed database, which we also offer as a, as a managed service on Azure. And so in general, the, the Postgres team at Microsoft uh, builds Postgres extensions and runs to manage Postgres services. Uh, But we also make a lot of upstream contributions to Postgres to improve things like connection scalability, recovery times, and I-O performance, and many other things. Fantastic. So, some of us might be new to open source databases or Postgres itself. Can you share a little bit about why somebody might choose Postgres in particular? Yeah. So, as a relational database, uh, people love Postgres for its versatility. You know, you have joins, indexes, foreign keys, anything you might want from from a database. And it's also very reliable. And what's nice is that Postgres is not developed by any specific company, but the support and the speed of the bug fixes, the tools, the documentation you get from the community are really amazing. And every year there is a new major release packed with improvements. And something truly unique about Postgres is that you can actually add database functionality without changing the Postgres code. So, and through something called extensions, which are like plugins or apps for your database. Uh, so there's an ecosystem of extensions for that add better monitoring or functions for, and types for working with geospatial data, running periodic jobs, querying other systems from Postgres and many other things. And that's also how you can turn Postgres into a distributed database uh, with the Citus extension. Fantastic, so the Citus extension turns Postgres into a distributed database. When would I use Citus in a distributed database and what can that do for me? So Postgres itself is already quite scalable. I mean, if under the right conditions, you can uh, get uh, up to a million transactions per second on a single server. But in many cases, uh, maybe your data doesn't fit in memory, maybe you're hitting the IOPS limits on your disks, maybe your CPU is at uh, 100% utilization all the time and then things do slow down. And CITUS solves that by adding the notion of a distributed table into Postgres. And so a distributed table is sharded across a cluster of Postgres servers. So you can combine their memory and CPU and storage capacity. And then when you query a distributed table, uh, under the covers, CITUS will send that query to the right Postgres server that stores the data or parallelize the query across uh, all of the Poster Server. And that way we can scale both transactional and analytical workloads uh, horizontally. And so Citus is especially useful for IoT and time series dashboards. Uh, for example, at Microsoft, the Windows team has a very large Citus cluster, which is used for, to power a dashboard uh, that collects all the Windows telemetry data. And um, it's also used a lot for software as a service, which need to scale the database as they add more customers. And also for geospatial applications, where you combine the PostGIS extension with the Citus extension.
0: Right, and Marco, you have added some exciting new features on Citus 10. So how can I learn more about these and um, try Citus?
2: Yeah, so one of the really cool new features in Citus 10 that we added is uh, compressed columnar storage for Postgres. So you can now, Change the storage format of your table to use columnar storage, and then you get a, a compression ratio that's often 10 times or or more. So it's very useful if you keep a lot of historical data in your database. Uh, another cool feature we added is you can now run Citus on a single node, and that makes it especially easy to try out Citus because you can. Uh, actually, run it as a single Docker container, so you can just do a single Docker run command, and then you have a Postgres server with the Citus extension, and you can start uh, trying to distribute tables and sh- and play with the columnar storage. And then you can later add another uh, server and scale out and, and rebalance the data. So, um, if you already have Postgres installed, you can easily add the Citus extension by using a package or getting it from GitHub. Uh, and If you want to build a bigger cluster uh, and use it on Azure, you can use the Azure Database for Postgres uh, service and pick the Hyperscale, op- uh, Hyperscale Citus option when you're creating your uh, database. And uh, If you want to re- learn more, we put together a landing page at aka.ms hello-oss, with links to blog posts and our recent announcements, and also documentation where you can get started.
0: Sounds great. Thank you so much, Aaron and Marco. I'm always learning so much in this segment. Let's bring Banam back. Thank hey, Banam, you. what do you think?
1: Wow, uh, I am a total and complete data nerd, and I'm not ashamed to say it. So seeing something like a relation store, getting married with almost a MapReduce-style distributed store and becoming this you know, super capable, Postgres-y distributed uh, data store that can enable things like uh, you know I uh, crazy IOT scenarios and stuff like that that just makes gets me super fired up so really thank you uh, you know Aaron Marco and actually Suze for actually running that segment this is really exciting cool so what's next look um, you know, Now I have the pleasure of introducing a total fan favorite for everyone. So without further ado, I actually want to uh, welcome our very own uh, Christina Warren to actually do this amazing fan favorite segment that I always keep on watching. Um, uh, So Christina, take it away with This Week on Channel 9.
3: Thank you so much, Barnum. Thank you, Suze. And thank you both for being Um, up so early uh, slash late in the future. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm Christina Warren. I'm a C2 Cloud Advocate at Microsoft and this is This Week on Channel 9 where we go through the latest things happening in the developer news space, latest new releases, updates, and whatnot. And this week we have a ton of news. And the first thing that I want to start with is that Microsoft Build, the dates have been announced. So mark your calendars May 25th through the 28th. So right, we're, we're like six weeks weeks away, I guess, seven weeks, I'm not sure even. Um, so uh, mark your calendars, Microsoft Build, there's gonna be tons of great content. I also wanna give a shout out to something that Barnum mentioned at the top of the show, which is we have a Learn Together event next week on Microsoft Graph, so be sure to tune in to that. I'm gonna be hosting, Barnum's gonna be there. We've got uh, Todd Engel's gonna be there, a bunch of great people from the Microsoft Graph team, so tune into that. But Microsoft Build coming up May 25th through the 28th. The next thing I wanna talk about is Visual Studio Code version one. 5. 5. 5. This is the March 2021 release. This is now available and there are some accessibility improvements. Uh, there are some new icons for, uh, for uh, Mac OS. So it's now all very Big Sur compliant, which is great. And so they've updated the, the insider releases as well as the, the, the normal release icons on the Mac side. There's some uh, changes with multiple cursors. There's also terminal files. A bunch of great stuff. I love Visual Studio Code. You're probably tired of hearing me talk about Visual Studio Code, but in the show notes that we've got linked in this episode, you can go and you can read the um, uh, release notes to find out more information, download it. And the team is also holding a live stream um, on, uh, I believe, uh, the 7th, so I guess tomorrow, um, the, no, excuse me, the 8th. They're going to be holding a, um, a a live stream on Thursday talking about all the new features So if you want to ask them questions or tune in those uh, the link to that is also in the release notes which are in our show notes in description down below next up huge news from our friend uh, Bruno and uh, a segment that in the normal version of this week on channel 9 we used to call Bruno's Java corner and uh, Bruno uh, and, and the rest of the the Java team at Microsoft have just released the preview version of the Microsoft build of open Jdk and this is really really awesome because this is going to be uh, backported with um, lots of uh, you know security patches, a uh, version of um, OpenJDK 11. This is going to be available. You can actually demo it in the Azure Cloud Shell within the Windows uh, Terminal right now, which is awesome. Um, the team also has plans for releasing uh, future uh, versions of, of OpenJDK, the whole roadmap by the end of the year. Um, and uh, if you're a Java user, this is a really great uh, main Maintained, um, updated, open JDK build, and and the team is really committed to open source and Java. I love this. I've got a link in the show notes in the description down below. Great job to that team. The next thing I want to uh, talk about, and this is uh, actually, it's funny because the OpenJDK thing kind of leads into something we're going to talk about later. But what I wanted to talk about next is that the Supreme Court actually just uh, ruled in a pretty big case in a very um, long going um, dispute between Google and Oracle over about a bunch of other things, basically the, you know, uh, I guess, permissibility of re-implementing APIs. And this has been contentious for more than a decade at this point. It's all the way back to 2010. I'm not going to get into all the legal details. In in the description, I've got a link to both the uh, Supreme Court ruling as well as uh, a post from the EFF explaining what it means. But this is really good for developers because this basically says that APIs are not uh, copyrightable and are fair use. And that's a really good thing for those of us who like to use software and implement software, and it's a good thing for open source. And on that same note, um, I want to talk about the the um, C Sharp team released basically a, um, uh, open c-sharp um, uh, standardization and so uh, c-sharp has been uh, the uh, compilers open source for about seven years now but now they have a standardization as part of their ECMA process and um, there's a blog post more details about this but this is really great news for for open source from the c-sharp fans uh, Next thing I want to just mention real quick is that Django 3.2 was released. So if you are a Python person and you are into Django, this is one of their long-term service releases. So congrats to the Django team. And now it is time for my pick of the week. And this actually happened kind of coincided with April Fool's Day, but it was so good I had to share this. This was a great story from some anonymous former Microsofter. Uh, basically in 1996, uh, Microsoft employees managed to pull off what I think is the greatest April fool's prank ever, where they put out fake software boxes that said Microsoft coffee that were designed to look like the Microsoft box at the time in retail stores. And people picked it up thinking that it was a real thing. Then the lawyers and some of the PR people got involved and said, actually, no, we're working on something that might kind of be similar to this. And so this, this was funny, but, but this was bad. So it's it's the story has never been told before. There's a great blog post on medium as well as a video of a news clip that uh, shares uh, this prank. It's really funny. I loved it. I think it's one of the greatest things that I've seen, you know, people do and I and it was in an era before the brands ruined April Fool's. So great stuff. Alright, well, that does it for me back to you Barnum and Sue's.
1: Well, thanks, Christina. That almost makes me really, really crave some Javanese coffee at 3.45 a.m. in the morning over here. Uh, but uh, back to you, Suze.
0: Yeah, it's always a pleasure having Christina. She shares so much in such a short five minutes, and there's so much to look forward to um in the coming weeks. But coming up, we do have our judicious Jeremiah Dooley with the Audience Challenge.
4: Hey, Suze, how are you?
0: Hi, welcome back. I'm great. So last week, we heard about the story of Tay. So what exciting stories do you have this week?
4: We did. Well, exciting is going to be, I guess, in the eye of the beholder this week. So the technology that we're going to focus on is uh, disaster recovery and backups and all of the things that go into that. And I just want to start off uh, making it clear that backups are It's just a terrible place to be from a tech perspective. I've known people who do nothing but worry about backups and disaster recovery, and more so than just about any other job in enterprise tech, especially, I really feel for them. Imagine this. Imagine having a job with huge regulatory implications, governments, businesses, legal. Imagine managing a process that has to happen perfectly every day within a fixed time window, That has to be coordinated across both workload types and timeframes that can range from hours to years. And if everything works exactly the way it's supposed to, no one notices. Nobody cares. Now, imagine if the other part of your job is to be able to find a single file out of the billions of files that you've backed up on demand. 24 hours a day from any one of those servers or workloads from any point across those hours or years and retrieve it successfully as fast as possible. Again, if everything works, no one notices. However, if anything fails at any point in the process, especially with the restore, it might be the actual end of the world, whether it's government regulators being upset, whether it's lawyers being upset, Executives being mad, customers being mad, no matter what it is, it's all your fault, no matter where the actual failure was. Now, imagine taking that and being a service provider who offers backups as a paid service for customers. Now you have all of the exposure and everybody resents the fact that they're having to pay you for it. As workloads have modernized, disaster recovery looks a lot different than it did 10 years ago. Some apps don't have persistent storage at all, and we simply distribute them across zones or regions. Some data is stored in databases, and we might have specialized ways of protecting those. Resiliency is really, generally speaking, become part of the architecture of modern apps. and. Even saying that, there's always going to be some persistent storage, some file, some config, some metadata somewhere that has to be taken care of. Azure offers three primary tools to manage backup and disaster recovery. There's Azure Backup, which is a traditional agent-based tool that's great for backing up on-premises and Azure workloads, managed disks, Azure files, those sorts of things. There's Azure Site Recovery, which coordinates the failover of multiple workloads from a primary site to a secondary one. And then there's Azure Archive Storage, which is used for long-term retention and as a replacement for the traditional magnetic tape that we would send off-site every day. The idea from an Azure perspective is to provide coverage for all of the possible use cases where companies using Azure might have persistent data that needs to be protected. If we can make life a little easier for those folks who are responsible for that specific task, that's a huge win for them and a huge win for Microsoft.
0: Right, so all that is really interesting, but we want to hear a story, and you have to have a story about backups.
4: <laughs> oh, so many stories about backups! Uh, this is one I'm definitely looking forward to talking with the with the uh, the, the viewers about. Um, it's always most interesting to me. I mean, there's always disaster stories, but it's always most interesting to me when you figure out what people are trying to recover. We had an executive at a company that I worked with once who had an absolute emergency, need to get this file. Don't tell me you can't get this file. Need to get it as soon as possible. And we're thinking we're thinking business spreadsheets. We're thinking customer data. We're, we're trying to figure out what's going on. Turns out it was the manuscript for a book that his wife was writing and it was very important to her which made it very important to him which made it very important to me and we went through this entire process got everything back everybody was happy and then someone asked hey what was it that we were restoring and we found out that it was his uh, his wife's book manuscript so happy that it worked but it was one of those like wait is this did we just do all of that for Something that doesn't have anything to do with the business. So um, that actually is a really good segue into our challenge question, which we will put up on the screen here. What what we want to know is what is the strangest thing that you've ever had to go to a backup to recover? I'm dying to hear some of the stories that are here. So if you uh, have a story and want to share it, use the Hello World Challenge hashtag on Twitter, send it out, and then we'll feature the best of the responses tomorrow on the show.
0: Love it, Jeremiah. Thank you so much for sharing. It's always such a pleasure having you and hearing your stories. So let's have Bana back up.
1: Hey, uh, you know, disaster recovery, I know he said it was boring, but seriously, you know, so much of the world runs on the fact that, uh, that DR is working without, without fail that, uh, you know, we can't really risk it and our customers tell us that all the time. Now, with that, somebody who's helped me prevent a lot of disasters, I actually want to bring uh, someone that I work very closely with, the Bob German on screen. Hey, Bob, how you doing? Oh, great. Good to see you. Um, what are you going to show us today? What are you going to tell tell the
5: Hello World audience about? Well, I'm really excited. I'm, today I'm going to show a pattern, if you will, for using the Microsoft Graph, which, as you mentioned at the front of the show, is the main API for accessing all the data in Microsoft 365. So think about all the apps you've used today. There are probably a lot of them. How many are you using right at this exact minute? There's a lot, right? Now imagine that you could combine those apps Not just randomly, but in ways that support the work you need to get done. And that's my idea for this demo today. And it's a pattern I've seen over and over from our customers and partners. So for instance, consider the common occurrence of planning a customer visit. So where would you start, right? You'd probably start in your calendar looking to see what visits you have coming up and what's going on, right? Now, you probably also would want to look at the customer data, right? Uh, What's going on with them? Maybe it's a CRM system, recent transactions, make sure they've paid their bills, Uh, contracts that might be in effect. Those might be in Microsoft 365 somewhere. Um, Then, well, we take photos on site. So we're going to go look at those. And also, we got to know how to get to the customer, right? So pull up a map, perhaps, even maybe a weather forecast, so we know how to dress when we go. And if I have any more questions, I might end up asking my teammates in Microsoft Teams or some other messaging platform. So that's all well and good, but you know, if you think about it, um, that's a lot of application switching and you're not just juggling these apps, you're actually having to dig into each one and find the information relating to your customer visit and they're all organized differently, right? So. That's really what this demo is about. So let's take a look at the demo now. And um, so we're going to be in Microsoft Teams, which is a great place to put your application. So this is a custom app in Teams. It's a single page app. I'm logged in as Katie. So it brought me right to Katie's uh, visits. I'm also on the team with Katie so she can see my visits. And if she clicks into one, um, she sees a mashup of all of the business data and the kind of less structured data that's inside of Microsoft 365. So we're using the graph to get at the documents, the on-site photos, the calendars, of course, and um, bringing that together with the transaction data, the customer data, and even a map and a weather forecast from some external services. Now, suppose Katie's looking at her schedule for the day and she realizes there's absolutely no way she's gonna make it to that 2.30 appointment, given all the, the distances and everything involved. So again, the Microsoft Graph, uh, the app is going to allow her to send a message into Teams where her colleagues are working. And you can see it here with a link into that back end of the app that will show that context to the next user. So now suppose I'm out on the road and I actually open my phone into Microsoft Teams, same app opens up. And I can see all that information. So not only is it maybe saved Katie some time, but it's also saved me some time. And I can immediately understand where I'm going and what I'm going to be doing um, if I take this this customer visit.
1: So, Bob, how hard is it to build something like this? Or how easy is it?
5: It's actually not not very difficult at all um, because the graph is based on standard REST technology. So if you know how to make a REST call, uh, you're most of the way there. So for instance, here is the call that I used to find the colleagues, right? Here's the call for reading the calendar. These are the actual calls that were used in the app. Um, finding the files, well, I had to actually navigate a little bit to the spot where we put our contracts. So a couple more calls there, but still pretty simple. And finally, sending a chat message looks a lot like this. So it's really not very difficult. And in fact, the source code for this sample is available and will be uh, posted in the Hello World site uh, with the show notes from this uh, from this episode.
1: So you know what I'm going to ask you next, right? How do people get started? How do our viewers get started?
5: And you know, yes, of course, it's a leading question, right? Because it's the third time we're putting in a plug. But you know what? It's a great it's a great event. So this is why we've organized this uh, two hour live stream next week. It's going to be um, repeated in two different uh, time zones. Um, so that you'll actually get one where you won't be in the middle of the night. And uh, and we're going to go through all these scenarios and a lot more and really uh, roll up our sleeves and build some apps using the graph in two hours in front of uh, of the world audience. Really all right, thanks,
1: thanks so much, Bob. Um, you know, this is really exciting. And, hey, Suze, what do you think?
0: That's awesome. And I'm really looking forward to the event. So, I mean, being um, guest first time on this show, I wanted to ask, how do you find the show today, Banam and Bob? Well,
1: I'll go first. You know, this is really, you know, energizing for me. Like I said, you know, it's been a hard year for a lot of us and uh, getting to connect with people, connect with our viewers, connect with you, connect with everybody that I work with uh, through a forum like this, through Hello World. This is really amazing. It really helps me out.
5: Yeah, I agree. I think what, what I love about it is that it's so diverse in terms of all the different technologies and angles that you're taking. Um, you know, I've been doing Microsoft 365 development for a while and I love it. Um, but where else am I going to find out about cool new distributed database technology or disaster recovery or all the news of what's going on at Build this year? I mean, it was great and it is great to be able to see everything uh, in in one place Uh in a daily show like this. So I really enjoy it.
0: Hey, that's great to hear. Let's have everybody back up onto the show and do a quick recap of what we have gone through today. So we had Aaron and Marco sh- sharing about Postgres and Open Citrus project. So any last words on um, you know thoughts, um, Aaron and Marco?
2: Uh, yeah, so if you want to learn about Citus, uh, we put together this landing page at aka.ms/hello-oss, and you'll find uh, links to some of our latest blog posts, documentation to get you started, and the Docker run commands you can use to uh, get started right now.
0: Cool, and we also have Christina and her super well summarized of what happened this week on Channel Nine. So where can we find more information, Christina?
3: Yeah, you can find me at film underscore girl on Twitter, and we've got show um, links in the description um, on Hello World, where you can get links to everything that I talked about. So I know we went through a bunch of stuff, but all the links are going to be on um, our show page.
0: Right. And we also have the awesome sharing by Jeremiah in the audience challenge.
4: Twitter. Hello World challenge. Tell us your best story. That's all I
1: got.
0: Love it. And finally, Bob and Barna.
1: Yeah, if You have you know, two if links. Go to aka.ms hello world for everything that is on the show and also for our event, aka.ms learn together dash graph. Cool.
0: Um, Yep, and be sure to join Amy and Dean tomorrow on the same time on Hello World with the Audience Challenge um, review. they will be sharing on Humans of Microsoft's more tips and tricks. So stay on even after we sign off because we have next up on Learn TV, deploying Orleans app to Kubernetes with Cecil Philip and Ruben Born. So, okay, see you everybody. See you next week. Bye.